Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Episode 203, How Maggie Paid Off Her Mortgage as a Single Mom. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And today we are sharing a really cool debt payoff story with our good friend Maggie from Friends on Fire podcast. And they aren't really on fire. Don't don't be alarmed. Right. Yeah. They are friends who talk about personal finance and fire. And financial independence. And retiring Retire early. early. You know. Yeah. You know it. You th- Those things. <laughs> so Maggie actually paid off her mortgage after divorce as a single mom And she's just a really fun, down-to-earth person. And I think any of our single mom listeners out there will be able to relate. I mean, even if you're not a single mom. But I hope that you will find inspiration from Maggie's story today. But first, our sponsors. National Grammar Day! (laughs) You you know (laughs) it. We're all excited. Today is the one day a year when it's acceptable to correct your friends and family on their misuse of it's and it's. If you're a grammar nerd, we'd love for you to check out our free ebook, Modern Frugal Living, and tell us all about our grammatical errors because we didn't pay for editing. You'll also learn over 200 <laughs> ways to save money. Head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash ebook to get yours. Again, that's frugalfriendspodcast.com slash ebook, but you can only correct us on National Grammar Day. Yeah, only today. This episode is also brought to you by The Things We Do for Toddlers. Tomorrow, I'll be taking time out of my weekend to pay money to take a train ride on a very useful engine. If you know, you know. And it saddens me to say that I am excited about it. It's easy to get excited about all the weird things we do for toddlers, but we have to prioritize what we do because they will not remember any of this. And you're excited now, but all you'll be left with is a toy that'll end up on Facebook Marketplace or a picture that gets lost on your phone. So the things we do for toddlers, intentionally choose them or you may lose all the space in your house and all your weekends. (laughs) I got to say, Jen, I don't think this is the weirdest thing you've done for your toddler. (laughs) Absolutely not. Oh, this is not. This absolutely not. I've heard. I didn't say it was the weirdest. Many stories. I said it was a weird. (laughs) 
Yeah, a weird thing. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds fun. I'm glad that you're going to yeah. go do that. Just a small, yes. slow train ride. Right. If you will be on a small, slow train ride anytime soon, then you may want to queue up some more episodes of Frugal Friends to listen to after this. So we have a few other debt payoff stories that we think you'll like. Uh, Episode 143, how Lydia Sen paid off $36,000 of debt on one income. And she had three kids at the time and her husband only worked. So they were a family of five and paid that off. And episode 110, paying off $46,000 of debt in a high cost of living area with Nurse Fern. She is a single nurse who paid off debt all on her own in a high cost of living area. So wherever you fall on the spectrum, family, single, kids, no kids, we've got something for you between these three episodes. Yes. So listen in. Yes. Maggie, today our interview with Maggie, she is fantastic. We were on her show, gosh, a long time ago, a long time ago. But she is the co-host, like we said, of one of our favorite shows, Friends on Fire. And I'm sure you don't need to ask why we love it. And just like us, Maggie is passionate about minimalism, simple living, and helping people on their journeys through life. So she lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her husband and three daughters. But not long ago, she was a divorced single mom getting out of debt on her own. And we hope you find her story as inspiring as we did. Here we go. Let's get into it. Maggie, welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me here. It was an honor to be on your show. And, you know, the spirit of reciprocity, we could not not have you on our show, especially as we're trying to highlight debt payoff stories. And you've definitely got a unique angle that I think our listeners are really desirous of to see well, what about this life situation? And what about that life situation? So Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being willing to come on and share how you accomplished what you accomplished with some very significant barriers as well. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Yeah. So to jump right in, you have shared with us previously that you paid off your mortgage and just curious how and why you decided to do that. I know that there's different angles that people take and some say do it, some say don't. How and why did you decide that this was going to be the right move for you? Yeah, that is a great question because quite honestly, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. And or even trying to articulate how and why until you just asked me that question. Well, until <laughs> t- you asked me that question, you know, a couple of days ago. And I say that because it just was something I was in the mode of, right? I almost can't explain why. I never liked debt. I was about 30. Sorry, I was about 30 when I moved to a 15-year mortgage, which was the first step of that. But I just, I always wanted to pay off any debt I had as quickly as I could, whether student, so I did the same thing with student loans. I was practically paying them off, you know, within like a year of getting them in grad school as a, um, when I was out of, uh, when I was working at that point. But I just, I just was always in this mode of, I don't like debt. I don't like something hanging over my head. And I liked the idea of a lower cost of living and just removing a huge bill that was, you know, in my life every month. 
And I wasn't necessarily as focused on the financial element of comparing, yes, my interest rate was low versus, you know, something versus what I could get in the market. Like I wasn't doing that analysis. I was like, it feels good. I emotionally want to pay it off and I'm going to pay it off. I love that. We hear that a lot from people who choose to go that direction. And of course, our perspective is freedom and what works for you and not wanting to shame any direction if it's wise, if it's intentional, thought out, and you have the ability to do it. But I don't want to put aside that, oh, that's not as important as yeah, the interest that you could make in the market versus what you have on your mortgage. Like why? It's interesting to me that that seems to be less than for a lot of people as a reason to do it. But there's so much weight and value to what you're describing of the freedom that it's going to create, what it does to you mentally, emotionally, relationally to know that this is hanging over you and you have the ability to pay it off. Of course, it takes a lot more determination to do that. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced like what you thought it might give to you in having it paid off? Did did it create more yeah, freedom. Yeah, I've, I've, I love I love that you use the word freedom. I brevity is not my strong suit. So when when I was uh, rambling on about how and why, and then you summed it up with the word freedom, I was like, yes, freedom. That's why I did it. Right. It it feels really good. And yes, I have bared the fruits of you know my labor, and I do feel that freedom. And I've felt it since it was 2018 that I paid it off, or a few uh, maybe 2018 or 2019. And yes, I feel that I've been able to. I got really aggressive on my def- on a deferred compensation program that my company has. I was able to do that because I didn't have a mortgage to pay every month. Um, we started actually paying off a rental property after that, which we were able to move to because we didn't have a mortgage, right? I didn't I didn't have that big piece of debt held over my head, and so yeah, I've had a lot more flexibility of what I can do with my money now. That's yeah. Amazing. So you are you're married now. You have three daughters, but when you were paying off your mortgage, you were actually a single mom. Yeah. So how how did the decision, like after your divorce, how did the decision to pay off the mortgage, how did those two things intersect? Well, the timeline is is kind of funny. So when I was referencing being 30 a while ago, it around when I was around 30, I was mar- married to my first husband still. So we were married for about 10 years. And about a year before we got divorced, we decided to move to a 15-year mortgage. And that was a really big step. And the reason that was a big step is because it forced us to pay almost a double mortgage, right? Our mortgage was, I think it was around $3,200 a month. And that was a bit of a stretch for us at the time. I mean, since then, you know, my salary has increased, but it was a stretch at the time. And so that was the first step of just paying much more towards principal every month. And then again, about a year into that, I got divorced and I wasn't expecting or planning on that. And I probably at the time actually would have, I think at the time I was a little annoyed that I had a 15-year mortgage because I was like, well, I wouldn't have done that if I had known this was going to happen. And I wouldn't have, because I'm now sort of stuck with this massive payment. And for a number of reasons, I ended up with the house. I grew up in this neighborhood. I had a lot of like nostalgia to this area. And it was just clear that like I was was going to, you know, buy out the house basically. Um, And so at that point... I already had this big payment. I was already kind of on this journey. And at first I had a bit of a freak out moment again of thinking, why did I do a 15-year mortgage? And then once I did the math and really kind of looked at it, I was like, wait, I can still afford this mortgage on my own, right? I never thought about paying it on my own, but I can afford it on my own. And I happened to, you know, I was very lucky that I did have a high enough salary to be able to afford that on my own. 
And then I still was just really aggressive and, and had that same vision of saying, I want to be debt-free, right? And I, the feeling of being able to pay this off. So I realized I could afford that monthly payment on my own. And then as I was getting like annual bonuses at work, I would put the entire amount towards the principal. I think it was really, I think what struck me the most is that you were, you didn't want that burden. You didn't anticipate it. You didn't plan for it, which how so many financial obligations fall on us. Yes. And instead of like feeling victimized or waiting or being paralyzed by fear, you just so quickly took action. And it's so impressive to see like, it just took kind of like a, kind of like a budget inventory yeah. for you to be like, which yeah, I didn't do at the time. Stretch. Yeah. At the time yeah. I didn't track my net worth. I didn't track my expense things I do now, but things that I didn't know to do, didn't think to do. I was pretty good with money. I was pretty frugal, but yes, I did. I, I in fairness, I did have a little bit of a victim response in the very beginning, but I quit pretty quickly snapped out of it and was like, wait a minute. I, I like you said, I did the math. I started realizing, you know, the reality of it. And I took charge to say, you know what? I, I don't have to have this mortgage and I want to aggressively pay it off. And I, I didn't really think about the future and would I get remarried? Would I meet somebody? You know, all these things. I was just like, I want to pay this house off. This is now like my asset that I own and I've put a lot into it. And I, we had just done a big remodel on our house too. And so I was pretty invested emotionally and physically and, and financially in this house. And I was like, I can pay it off. Right. And and I started to get a sense of how long it would take me, especially if I kept putting my full bonus towards it every year. Hmm. I do think that this is worth highlighting a bit because this particular part of your story of being in the midst of a divorce, then moving into being a single mom, and then having all of these various financial obligations, which is true of many people. I think that for those listeners who find themselves in a similar place, like this is the spot that we're zeroing in on of, okay, well, what what is here for me? And, and I feel, I think anyone in that situation, regardless of your income, so okay, fantastic that you were able to cover that new 15-year mortgage on your own. Awesome. May not be everybody's situation. However, you are still human. And that life situation could still be very paralyzing, very debilitating, cause you to make decisions that aren't actually beneficial and maybe even destructive for yourself financially, relationally, mentally. And I'm not saying that it went perfect, and you're not saying that either, but there was something that happened here where perspective shift or mentality, a choice when at this kind of crossroads of deep pain to say, I'm still going to make good decisions for myself and actually here's what's available to me. Can you just speak to that a little bit? What was that like for you? What's interesting that I can't admit to having this epiphany until just now as you were saying what you were saying which was very insightful by the way it was a time of pain it was a, it was actually one of the first times in my life that i felt significant failure right like i i failed at something and i actually and again this is in hindsight right now realize that gave me paying off my mortgage gave me something i could control right? It gave me something I could manage and that I could do on my own and feel accomplished by. 
And it was something I could do, right? I could own it. I, I was, I, again, I, control is an important word. Like it was something I, I could control in a world right then when I couldn't control anything, right? When I was, I was sad for my daughter thinking I never wanted her to grow. Not that, I mean, she's got a great life, but not that I wanted her to grow up in a divorced family and just all these things where I was like, this isn't, you know, she was a uh, like under two at that point. And I was like, this isn't the life I wanted for her, right? And and it was sad. And I was having um, just, you know, all of these feelings and emotions. And again, it, it gave me something I could control and that I could focus on. And I, and, and financially too, I leaned into being really good about my finances during that time. It was a bit of a wake up call. It was a bit of a time to reassess everything and kind of rebirth and renew, if you will. It's excellent, Maggie. I think a lot of times we use that word control in a negative way. It sounds like a bad thing, but really it's what we do with that. We all have power, influence, and control over some things. It goes wrong when we try and have control over the things that we don't actually have control over. But (laughs) when we can find beneficial things to exert our right power and influence and control, it can be really beneficial for us, especially at those points of deep pain and difficulty. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features, but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y.com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. 
Absolutely. I feel like I'm so, in therapy, by the way. This is really helpful, ladies. Very oh, helpful. Yes. I am, I am, I am a therapist to... for my day job. I so get some time at the end of this. It blends in. <laughs> Only if Great. you come back. Only okay, then. Okay. <laughs> so, so during this journey of paying off this mortgage, what sacrifices did you have to make? And would you change anything about the experience or journey? So I was, am incredibly fortunate in that I don't feel like I had to make a lot of sacrifices, quite honestly, right? Which in some ways I, I've said to people, you know, it makes my story less approachable to others in some way. But I will say, you know, the one sacrifice I made for where I was in my life and in the world, I was, I was continuing to do pretty well at work and, and get some bigger, more senior promotions. The sacrifice I made was I didn't inflate my lifestyle and everybody around me was inflating their lifestyle, right? The people I was around every day were at a similar level that I was at. They were also making more money. They were buying bigger houses. They were moving to bigger, more expensive neighborhoods. They were putting a pool. These are real real stuff. They were putting a pool in their backyard. They were driving into the parking deck in a $70,000 car. And so I was making good money, so I don't feel like I had to make any sacrifices, especially from the lifestyle that I was used to growing up and that I had kind of become accustomed to as an adult also. I knew that all of those other things that people around me were doing wasn't going to bring me lasting happiness. And so the true kind of quote sacrifice that I made was that I just continued living the same lifestyle that I had been living earlier in my life. And again, I mean, even nicer than you know what I even nicer than what I had become accustomed to when I was growing up. But that really is, you know, again, I was putting my bonuses every year, which was, you know, a big chunk of money against my mortgage. And so I was giving up what I could have otherwise done with that bonus, which again, was nothing that was going to bring me lasting happiness in any way. But I, I was still able to travel. I was still able to afford the things that were important to me, but there, were, there weren't a lot of things that were important to me. I think you're right about that part being approachable for everybody, the lifestyle inflation piece. Any any one of us, whether or not our income's actually increasing, we may want to inflate our lifestyle just because of what those around us are doing. I think lifestyle inflation can happen in either way, either because we've gotten a raise or just because our friends have gotten a raise and yeah. we want to live the lives that they're living. So I think in that, there's, there is still sacrifice and there are still decisions that you had to make to say, okay, life is very different. And however much money you were bringing in at the time, it is still less than having two incomes as a married person. So certainly changes that had to happen there. So I think that piece of maintaining what what is right for you and identifying the goals that are going to work for you is what I think we can take from what you're sharing here. Mm -hmm. Maggie, did it feel isolating while you were watching other people pay that? Or do you feel like you had a good support network outside of work where you didn't feel overall isolated? It's a great question. I definitely had a good support system of my good friends from from actually like high school and childhood that were living similar lifestyles to me. And so had I been inflating, like I would have been different than all of them in, in many mm, ways. And so okay. I did have a good group of core friends and we were all living just no, I mean, normal middle-class lives. Right. And so, yeah, I definitely had way more influences 
around some coworkers and, and former coworkers, current coworkers, kind of a mix that were like, you know, going to dinner at the Four Seasons. And I was like, I'm cool with, you know, like a $10 burrito for dinner if I'm even going to eat out. Right. And so, yeah, we were, we were, I did have those influences, but I had enough that were in my kind of closer inner circle that I didn't feel a lot of like pure pressure in my day-to-day life. And again, where, where I came from also was a very, very kind of basic middle-class um, upbringing. So I never had, I've talked to people before that sort of joke that they've become accustomed to a certain lifestyle because of how they grew up. I didn't have that barrier. Right. I, I, actually didn't know what to do with some of the money I had because of the way I grew up. I was like, what do I do? You know, like, and that's when, you know, Mm -hmm. I I can lean into things that were good to do with my money, like paying off my mortgage. Yeah. And I'd also like the listeners to know, it's not like you're like a doctor or like a neurophysicist or something (laughs) like with your income, like you're like a, a normal person with an MBA, like, yeah with a job and you just, you like worked your way up. So like I went to it, you consider it high income, but like it's actually an attainable income um, for putting in the work that you did. Yeah. If you wanted to work in corporate America and get a, you know, I worked in like e-commerce marketing to general kind of business job. And yeah, I totally worked my way up from, I went to a Mm -hmm. state school. I was on the local state scholarship that you get for having good enough grades in Georgia and I were, I had a pretty kind of somewhat normal job coming out of college. Good job, but normal job. And yes, I worked my way up slowly in what happened to be a very burgeoning, growing field of digital at the time. So it's also yeah. encouraging to hear, Maggie, the choices that you make, even with what you would describe as a relatively higher income in that it doesn't have to equate to that meaning a certain lifestyle or how you spend your money. I think sometimes, not most of our longtime listeners, but sometimes we might utilize frugality to become wealthy and then put all of the things aside. Like some people can have the mentality that like, this is how I'm going to get rich, like sidebar, not true. Yeah, Uh, There are some practices that can certainly help us to build wealth, but it is really encouraging to hear from someone who, you know, for some of our listeners might view this as like, that's where I want to get to, like that other side of having a mortgage paid off and being debt free. And yet it doesn't mean for you that it looks a certain way. Like I still live relatively modestly and here's what I choose to do with my finances as a result. And so it's not just a means to an end, but an actual lifestyle. Yeah, that's very true. So this being said, Maggie, I'm curious to know what the impact from your perspective is on your daughters with some of these financial decisions that you've made. I imagine as you describe, your life could have looked different. I I bet their life could have looked different too. What do you see for them? Yeah, their life could have looked different, but they also have an amazing life, which I constantly try to rem- remind them. And <laughs> yeah. to, to keep it, to keep this in perspective, my daughters are now between 10 and 13. So I say that because we have very different conversations than I was having with like a four-year-old, right? Like we have much mm-hmm. more, you know, what I'd call like adult. They're, they're, they're old enough, especially the 13-year-old. But I'd say the biggest thing is, you know, we talk about money incredibly openly in our household, right? And we 
I've joked not to them, but I've joked to friends. Like I want my kids to think that we're poor, right? That we're li- like that. I, I want. I don't want them to think they have a lot of money and a lot of options. Like I don't believe that does much good for them in their life, short term or long term. And so I want them. I like. I love the feeling of not having to worry about a lot for them, right? I know they're going to be okay. I know they're going to have what they need for college and other things but they're going to have to work for it. Right. And they're going to have some skin in the game and all these other things I believe in. But I'd say, you know, the biggest impact it's had on my daughters is they understand the value of money and they, we've driven into them over the years, slowly, the value of experiences over things. They know that we will splurge on travel and that they'll get some real, I mean, they have been more places in the world than I had been before I was 30. Right. And they're not 13, you know, they're under all under 13. And so they, they understand the value of experiences over things. Like to me, I am, I am slowly every day trying to make them more conscious consumers that value money and value experiences and don't, and recognize that they don't need a lot of stuff or fancy stuff to be happy. Yeah. Do you, so do you have an, a, an example of maybe one time a conversation came up about money like recently. I know it's. Yeah. I mean, I say recently this happens like we, we were, I can't even remember this conversation we were having last night, but it was, it was a follow on. Eventually when I start talking to them about certain things, they're like, yeah, okay, we got it. Like they're just, <laughs> they're like the points made, you can stop talking, which is one of their favorite things to just like, let me know to stop. Um, cause I can really, I can really <laughs> nail a point in if I want to, you know, I don't, I don't let that go. And so, you know, frequently we will pass a house, um, someone's car and they'll make a reference that says, oh, wow, they must be rich. And I have to be careful because I've actually caught myself saying things to them that I'll hear repeated back. And I'm like, oh, that's not the point I was <laughs> trying to make, you know? And so I sometimes will say like, Hey, just so you know, a big house, doesn't mean someone's rich. You don't know if they're in deep debt. You don't know if they're, you know, living paycheck to paycheck in that house. I said, you know, you the house you guys live in, live in is paid for and you don't ever have to worry about anything happening to it, right? And we've prioritized that. And so those are the sorts of, you know, discussions we'll have and they'll make the same reference to somebody's car. I'll be asking about uh, you know, there was something going on with some kid at school and I'm trying to teach them empathy. And I'm like, look, you don't know what that kid's life is like, you know, like don't make a judgment. And they're like, oh yeah, he, he drives a G, his parents drive a G wagon when they pick him. And I'm like, okay, well that doesn't mean anything either. Right. Like, you know, you can't, it's funny what kids are aware of already. I don't remember knowing what a G wagon was when I was a kid. I don't think I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't, don't think I know do. what a G wagon is. It's some sort is, of model Maggie. of a Mercedes. I don't know. It's, a, it's like a really <laughs> high end Mercedes. Sorry. Jill and I over here, it's like, we still don't know. <laughs> yes. I would have to Google it exactly, but I believe it is a very expensive car. That is something new. Yes. Uh, And what's crazy is that my kids even know what a G-Wagon is. It it (laughs) says, I just Googled it. The MSRP of a G-Wagon is $133,000. I would never spend that much on a car. Yeah. That's Um, unattainable. (laughs) Yes. Uh, But that's an example. And I mean, there's, there's other examples, but we just, we have, we talk very openly and I'm, I'm very cautious because on the flip side, I do try to say, look, that they may also be really responsible with their money. And we're not going to, we don't know that we're going to make judgments either way. But I was like, but don't look at something that looks, 
you know, quote, fancy on the outside and make a judgment like, oh, that person must be rich, right? Because you don't, you don't know that. You know, and the thing we all know, which is, you know, the, the millionaire next door, right? You can't, you can't look at somebody on the outside and make a judgment about what's happening behind the scenes. And so those are often the conversations we're having about money. And then also a little bit of valuing how much time it might take you to earn the money you need to spend on something. So trying to ha- let them have some appreciation for why I won't buy somebody who's still growing I would consider buying a fully grown child a pair of Lululemon tights because they might last a very long time for them. But I will not buy a 10-year-old a pair of Lululemon tights. Mm-hmm. I just won't do it. Yeah. And I have to explain that. And and I do. <laughs> You're going to grow and that's your fault. Yeah. Yes. And the tights will last. Yes. Yeah. I it sounds like your intentionality with finances has led to your intentionality with teaching your kids about finances. And I think as I'm hearing you talk, it's occurring to me that those two go hand in hand, that where we become more aware of what we're doing and what we want to see, what's going to bring freedom for us financially, regardless of our circumstances, it's going to help us to be able to educate those around us, whether it's friends or family, children. And I appreciate what you're highlighting here too. And it it connects with something. So I don't have kids, but Jen has a son and you obviously have three daughters. And when we talk with others about their, their kids and those who are aware of what they're saying, I think this piece of that money has value to it. And I think Jen also says with with Kai, what she wants to teach him is that resources aren't unlimited. And those two ideas that I'm hearing from you, Maggie, that I've heard from Jen, like that has stuck with me. And I think for children, holy smokes, is that an amazing tip for parenting? But I think for myself as well, like how am I approaching this in the reality that it's not unlimited? And in that way, how do I want to then spend, invest in these limited resources. How am I going to choose to do that? Again, regardless of my circumstances, for you as a divorced single mom, I know that you're remarried now. Congratulations. Um, But yeah, just that intentionality stands out to me. Yeah. I love the word intentionality also. It is uh, another great way to kind of summarize the, the theme there. One other thing that I'll note, which especially just on the angle of anyone that's listening to this that is divorced or remarried, that I think might help people, which is a unique dynamic to the conversation we just had with kids is, so those, those three kids I mentioned, so one of them is mine, two of them are my stepdaughters, they're my husband, my, I might, I've been remarried for <laughs> about, I was going to say about five years, don't pin me on the exact date. Um, I could, I, I could tell you, I blame it on 2020 and 2021 for the fact that I just don't know like what year we're in. And, and I don't know how and, old I am anymore. <laughs> I'm so stood we're still, good. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm very confused by time. Uh, but, these are evergreen episodes, <laughs> right? But the, the dynamic of being in a divorced blended families essentially, right. Is all those lessons about money. I can only teach them when they're in my house, right? Mm-hmm. So we each have exes and then they're remarried. There's a lot of influences in their lives, right? And so the things that they get to do in some of their other households that they come in and out of, right? With joint custody, obviously, is different. And I and that's one thing we have had to have some very open discussions about because not only do you with, well, I'll simplify this by saying you've got the dynamics 
of one set of kids that are going in and out of two different households. And then you've got the dynamics of the fact that they're coming into a household with other kids, right? And so my daughter, for example, sees things that my stepdaughters get from their mom and no judgment whatsoever there, but I'm just saying she makes different decisions about what she's willing to give her kids and and do and how often they eat out and just all these different things. And it's different than mine and my husband, right? Which is their father, right? And so I probably confused anyone with the family dynamics there, but the point is- the, <laughs> Any blended the, uh, family is yeah, yes. right I with blended you. Families yes. will know. The point yes. is yeah. you've got, a, you are not just, you know, and one of the frustrating aspects of all things of, you know, blended families is you are not alone in your influence on that child, right? You, you have to, you're co-parenting with other people that you are no longer in a, you're in a relationship, a co-parenting relationship with them now. But the thing that I would tell people and that I've learned through myself and also through through a therapist, that a child therapist that once said this is, you know, kids are incredibly resilient. They know and start to learn what the dynamics are in one household. And so don't you, like as the adult in the picture, don't stress yourself out worrying about like back to that control word and where it can have a you know, negative connotation. Don't stress yourself out worrying about what you can't control, which is what's happening in other households and the, the values they might be teaching about money and everything else. Focus on what you are doing in your household and know that your kids will adjust and they will soak up their sponges. They will soak up all the different influences around them and they're going to make their own decisions ultimately anyways. And I think that's just an important point because all of these, all of this, this intentionality that I want to give to my daughters, I'm only one of the influences in their lives. Right. And I can only give it to them some of the time and I can't control all the other influences in their lives. And that's true for any parent, regardless of blended or not. That's actually true. You're right. Yes. Yeah. I I mean, I appreciate what you're highlighting there, but I think, you know, that's, that's going to be the case for anybody. And so walking out your values is going to be the most beneficial thing that you can do for your kids rather than, I mean, lectures are great, but it will be the scene and the caught and the modeled that is mm-hmm. the most yeah. important. And of course, right. love and care and consistency, but that's a whole other parenting conversation. <laughs> so many things. Yeah, no, I, I totally resonate with that. I mean, my son's two and a half, so we don't have to worry about like that. But having had like so many outside bound, like so many outside influences as a child about money where my parents never talked about money. And so I caught more from outside than I did from inside the home. And so the fact also that you're so willing to talk about money will mean the influence will be even more powerful than what is caught visually and experienced. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about remarrying and how you handled the finances there. I know you you finished paying off your mortgage just a smidge after you got remarried, um, but still did it on your own. But like, so how the rest of your finances, how did you handle that? Because I think uh, some people would find that really interesting. Yeah. So I'd say two big things in terms of kind of how I handled, how I handled my finances and also how we do handle our finances now. Mm-hmm. And I have, I did just do the math in my head. This summer will be our five-year anniversary. Um, so I do, 
I do know how long I've been remarried. Um, <laughs> and he's lovely. Good job. <laughs> uh, time has just stood still lately. Um, so the two big things are a prenup, which also has a lot of negative connotations. I'm huge pro prenup and I'm happy to get into why. And separate finances, which there's also, I, I personally think a lot of benefits to in general, though no judgment because it doesn't work for a lot of people. But those two things have worked really well for us. And so on the prenup front, look, I was kind of burned on my, and I don't mean, I don't mean burned, like something terrible happened. I just mean like I, when I got divorced, I was not expecting it. I, it wasn't something I kind of even knew was coming. And so I was very kind of scarred by it in the beginning, right? I didn't want to, back to that control word, right? I thought, and I didn't know, you know, you don't know the divorce law. No one like tells you when you get married, what the laws are in your state and what's going to happen to, you know, whatever. No one tells you that. And, and I got married pretty young. So they especially don't tell you uh, in your like early twenties, you know, what's going on. Any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, like, uh-huh. let me tell you the, uh, you know, uh, divorce laws in Georgia. Mm-hmm. So to me, I was just like, you know, I want to fully protect myself. So before I ever met my husband now, I always was like, I will, I will have a prenup if I ever get, while I was going through the divorce process, which was pretty amicable and pretty smooth. Actually. I just was like, I will never, I will never get into a place where I even need to discuss any of this. It will be predefined. It will be the thing I love about a prenup that I think is fair for everybody is you are making a decision about what is right and fair when you are in a loving, happy, kind feeling about that person, which is what it should be, right? Like mm. things could go wrong, things you nobody could predict, who knows what could get thrown at you in life and what could happen. And and I don't ever, I mean, I would put large amounts of money to sell you that I will never get divorced from my husband, Greg. Like I he, we are. I just don't ever believe anything will happen. But at the same time, I can still protect myself and go in with a fair setup to say, let's, while we're in this, you know, quote, honeymoon phase, right? Let's have a conversation about what we think is fair and what we brought into this marriage and what we think is fair to happen if something, God forbid, were to happen, right? Yeah, I appreciate that perspective. And like you said, everyone's going to make their own decisions in this. But I think particularly coming from the experience that you came from, of course, no one goes into marriage thinking that they're going to get divorced. Yeah. But for those who have experienced it, you can realize, oh, like there is a reality to this, that it is not always rainbows and butterflies and sunshine. And sometimes we believe that the best decision is to separate and to divorce. And so I think coming then from the perspective of even handed to know, I do love you. I want to commit to you, but I have seen that there's another side to this and let's be prepared and let's be kind to each other as kind as we possibly can throughout the duration of this relationship. It's a really, really beautiful and unique perspective and take on it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So that worked really well for us. And it was a smooth process. I mean, we literally spent a couple hours with an attorney talking through, there were certain things I had never even thought of that, you know, we're in a prenup, um, but talking through it. And then we had a prenup. Really simple. I think, I think it's really important for people to consider when they're getting 
married later in life or in a second marriage. We we want to equate our finances to how they were when we were in our early 20s or got married the first time. But hopefully your finances are not the same as they were, you know, 10 years previously. Uh, And so to just have that kind, like to be unclear is to be unkind. And so to set some things down like at the beginning of a marriage when you do have some equity built in, you know, whatever it is you've built so far, it can be really healthy. It's not just in case of divorce, but it's conversations you wouldn't have otherwise. And you wouldn't have even needed to have in your early 20s when you literally had like nothing. Yeah. So yeah, it's I think it's important to re- kind of rebrand that document to be something that's like healthy and kind for relationship. Yeah, it has but it to me it's almost like a lot of financial conversations which historically people have considered taboo and I think are more and more becoming mainstream and and I love your quote to be unclear is to be kind, right? Or sorry, to be unclear is to be unkind. Because there is a big taboo around prenups, right? And and it is just think of it as a facilitated discussion about your finances. So even just the com- it's like premarital counseling in a way, right? Mm-hmm. If you can't have a conversation about having a prenup with your soon-to-be spouse, you likely might have some other issues, honestly, because mm-hmm. again, if someone is like that unwilling to have an open conversation about money, which is 90% of what a prenup is about, then something that could be a flag, right? There could be some other reasons, but like that could be a flag. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, can you touch on uh, the separate finances? Yeah, sure. So, first off, I had separate finances with my first husband also, and it worked very well for us. Um, and again, a lot of things were joint and combined. But we also, when I got together with Greg, who is my current husband, we did have some some conversations early on and decided to keep our finances separate. And a lot of that was, you know, we've got like incoming and outgoing child support when you've got kids involved. It, w- it was easier in many ways, right? And when you even think about, again, just what people are kind of coming in with and, you know, I back to the, the to tie in the prenup also, it's like I was coming in with an almost fully paid off mortgage, right? I was pretty close to finishing it. And I was like, I just want to finish it. And that's my, you know, quote asset now. But we have separate finances. And I, again, I think we've done a whole podcast on like separate finances versus combined finances before, but I think separate finances also get a bad rap. And the thing that I would say about what I consider separate finances is that they're separate on paper, but we have a hundred percent communication and transparency. I know every, he he Mm. knows everything about everything I have and where I spend my money. And we do our um, expense tracking together. Um, And we're not like nickeling and diming things. There's certain things where, it's like structured yet loose in some ways, right? And the thing that I would never encourage people to have is I would never encourage separate finances where you don't have full transparency of what's happening with each person. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, it's like we have two different P&Ls, if you will, if you, to use like business terms, mm-hmm. but we have, you know, budget meetings and financial <laughs> reviews together. And like we are, we are uh, co-leads in, in this life we live together. And we review yes. everything, right? We, what I think it removes is any, like for me, what it has always removed in my first marriage and in my last marriage, I like to call this my last marriage, 
That sounds bad, actually. I mean, my final marriage. No, I'm, sure. <laughs> I'm tracking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're uh, with my you. forever marriage. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> so what? What we have removed that works really well for me, at least, is any kind of resentment or arguments about personal choices with certain things, right? Like we're still, my husband and I are still pretty aligned on just how we spend our money and what our life goals and early retirement and all these other things. But when he goes and decides to get a new Apple watch one day, I'm not like, oh, well, you know, we should have discussed that. And, you know, I'm like, cool. Like he's managing his own money, right? We, I know what our joint mm-hmm. collective goals are and, but I'm not going to question a, you know, a small decision he made because I don't need to, it's just, it's not, it's not even in my, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about those kind of little day-to-day things yeah, um, as a result absolutely. of it. Well, it sounds like your finances, like your accounts are separate, but your finances are combined. You know, the way you talk about your finances, that's same page, that's one budget, one like goal, but the accounts are separate. Yes. And I I mean, so many people are doing, I mean, we do that. We consider our finances combined, but like we use credit cards separately that we are not on each other's accounts for, but we can still see what's going on in those accounts. So yeah, I think that's super smart. It's, it's a lot easier to just, you know, have your own accounts and not like I got on Travis's like checking account and that was like a few hours. I'll never get back from my life. (laughs) Like, uh, and then now it's like, why, what's the point? That's how I feel about Eric's search history. Just going back through all the things he's looking to want to buy. (laughs) Thankfully, he doesn't pull the trigger on a lot of it. Hours he will never get back. Whoa, it is quite the roller coaster. Oh, my gosh. Indoor water features, boats, music equipment. It's all over the map. And then and then a random search of some middle of nowhere part of Finland and then back to a boat. This is going to be like a fun date night game. I'm going to make it up where we just go look at each other's search history to be like, to explain to me why you were searching on. Tell me. This could be really fun, Finland. but also really dangerous. And we're so, not going to endorse. We're not going to endorse. So dangerous, but it's so a, it's fun. an option. You do that date night, night right before you bring up that you want a prenup. It's like yeah. a full. <laughs> it's a triple threat, you know. Be like, I want separate finances. There, I want a prenup, and let me look at your search your, history. There it is, folks. Yeah, marriage advice from away. Maggie. <laughs> yeah. You know what's uh, also you super know, fun and dangerous? And hours of my life I don't want back. <laughs> or I love that I I don't know. You want to keep it. It's the Bill, Bill of, of the, the Week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Maggie, every single week we invite either our listeners or our guests to share with us their Bill of the Week. Do you have one for us this week? I do. I was thinking it'd be fun if I used to be married to someone named Bill, but I can't, I can't say that. Oh, dang um, it. So I did just save 
five. I sound like a, like a Geico ad or something, <laughs> except this is with Allstate. I did just save $515 on my homeowner's insurance. And it, actually, I have to give credit to, you know, Joel and Matt on uh, How To Money. I will give yes. them credit because they posted. It was actually in one of their episodes. It was They talked about it briefly. And he even made a reference to how he swore his deductible used to be higher and somehow it got lower again. And I was like, I also think my deductible is at least $1,000. Somehow I went in and it was only $500. My The deductible on my home, or sorry, yeah, the deductible on my homeowner's insurance. And so I, and I was like, when was the last time I've made a claim to my homeowner's insurance? It has literally been never over 20 years of owning two different homes. So I just very quickly asked my agent, like, hey, what would it be if I, you know, raise this to um, $1,000, $2,000, And I think we actually went up to, now I can't remember, $5,000, I think. But we say $515 overnight, which is pretty cool. That was about 25% of our overall cost of our homeowner's insurance. So that was my exciting bill that was almost better than a bill because I'd already paid it. So I got a check in the mail for the balance of uh, what I saved. And because your mortgage is paid off, it's not wrapped up into that. You actually get the money back. I do. Yeah, you're right. It's not in my escrow account. It is actually a real bill I pay. There's a whole set of bills you pay directly when you, like your taxes every year. It's it's Mm -hmm. a a whole new world from uh, Mm mortgage-free living. Yeah. Absolutely. I think we often, and for those who do, yeah, it's, it's, it goes into an escrow account. You would, most people don't think about how can I save on homeowners insurance? It's like car insurance, the actual things that I really feel coming out of my pocket, but this is still real money coming out of your pocket one way or another that it's a good reminder to take a look at that and negotiate it. Yeah. Yeah. Once a year to look at it see if they've changed your deductible, see what you can do to, if you want to keep the same deductible, see what you can do to lower it. Cause you can compare homeowners insurance. You, there's not just one homeowners insurance. I mean, we've had policy genius has been a sponsor of the show for a long time and they compare all the sites. Yeah. Um, not all the sites, but you know, all the major ones and, and there's a lot out there. So yeah. It's, yeah, and I did just look it up. I moved from a $1,000 deductible to a $5,000 deductible, mm, which again is nice. like, you're not going to make a claim on your homeowner's insurance for $1,000 anyways, because it would jack up mm-hmm. your rate so high, it wouldn't be worth it. So there's a lot of benefits to yeah. having a higher, especially if you have the cash for an emergency. You know, if a tree does fall yeah. in your house, I can afford to pay for it if I had to. Yeah. Unless you like, if you live in Florida, then hurricanes like make trees fall on your home every year on the regular then yeah (laughs) every year it's great that's true yeah you're like i've never made a claim over two homes and i'm like oh i've made two claims in like two three that actually is a great point that of of how everyone's situation is different i live in atlanta yeah there's very few natural disasters. There's just very few things. I'm, I say that knock on wood. My husband even joked the second we raised it. He's like, now is going to be the first time in 20 years that we have to make a claim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll, yeah, we'll see if that no. was a good bill of the week or not. <laughs> TBD. Yes. Well, if you want to submit your bill of the week, visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. If it's about saving on insurance or your husband or ex-husband's name is actually Bill, we want to hear about it and anything else. Nice. 
I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. Nerd Wallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards, a free flight, a room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. And now it's time for the lightning round. The lightning round. Today, we are going to talk about a recent money conversation we've had with a friend or family member. Because Maggie, your show, Friends on Fire, is all about normalizing talking about money with friends. And we're about friends. So we're going to talk about a recent conversation we had. So Maggie, as our guest, please start us off. Okay. Well, I was just at a holiday party and I was talking to a good friend of ours and they brought up something financial before I even did. We started talking about taxes and deferred compensation plans. And at first off, I'm like, I get so excited when that happens because I, I don't want to, I don't want to have like, <laughs> so weird. I don't want to have like small talk at a holiday party. You know, I don't want to be like, Oh, what you been up? You know, like I like when we get into like a, a thick, meaningful discussion right off. I'm like, yeah. this is great, you know, just- especially at the holiday party when you want to make sure people have like put as much into their 401k and their IRA uh-huh. as possible. Very true. Like, y'all time's running out. Yep. We're at a crunch time. Yeah. So yep. It's that time it's of year. You know? Conversation around yeah, the forget holidays. The hol- it's not about the holidays. It's about all your end of year financial stuff you should do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first off, this was a morning thing. This was like a, uh, a pajama oh, party. Better. Thing, but so oh, yeah, start the day first thing, Saturday morning talking about, you know, taxes Ooh. and uh, deferred compensation plans and everything else. But we were having a conversation and this person was talking about how they were trying to reduce their taxes. Basically, they were saying, you know, oh, we're in the highest tax bracket. I'm trying to get they were trying to, they were doing deferred compensation, trying to get lower. And they were talking about how much they were putting in and asking kind of, they knew I had uh, done it just from talking about on the podcast. And I didn't want to like, as they were talking about it, and this person is um, married to an accountant also, but I didn't want to make any assumptions. But as they started talking about it, I thought like, 
I don't know if they realize that the way tax brackets work, you're only paying like that incremental amount is in the highest tax bracket, right? It's not all your money. It's not like once you make over, you know, the IRS brackets in 2020 or like the maximum, know, yeah, yeah. over 518 that all your money's taxed at 37%. Mm-hmm. It's just the amount over $518,000 that is taxed at 37%. And I was thinking that and I was like, I want to make this point to them, but I don't want to insult them. But I didn't once fully understand this. And so I was saying, I was like, hey, I don't. And I even kind of just said that. I was like, look, I didn't even know this until a few years ago. I'm not sure I fully appreciated it. I'm sure I learned it at different times. But I was like, you know that you're not, it's not like all your income's now taxed at that big rate. It's just the like $2,000 over that that you made. And they looked at me and were like, I didn't know that. And it just, what it reminded me, and I'm not judging them, by the way, I, I did not know that, you know, again, a handful of years ago. And what I, what it just reminded me of is just being able to kind of have those like uh, vulnerable conversations where, look, I might've kind of offended him and been like, of course I know that, you know, like that's, you know, why wouldn't anyone know that? Like I, I could have made myself look silly saying that, but I do that on the podcast like weekly. So I'm, I'm used to it. <laughs> We're um, right there with you. <laughs> yeah. But it was just that conversation. It reminded me how important it is to have these conversations. That person learned something new. We had a, we, we both just had like a really interesting conversation about deferred compensation plans and um, some different things related to taxes. And it was to me, like, again, I was kind of joking in the beginning, like, I really enjoyed that conversation. It was, it was a nice connection point with somebody. It was not just a little bit of small talk of like, oh, hey, how's work, you know? And we both walked away learning something new and getting something out of it. And again, it's just, it's like a meaningful conversation with a friend about money. That's awesome. And there's so much trust and safety that does have to be present and dignifying one another, right? There could have been a whole other way that you could have approached that conversation or you could have just left it. And then she would have gone on not knowing and assuming something, maybe making decisions based on that assumption. So there's definitely groundwork that needs to be laid in order to do this. But I do think these financial conversations are so much more attainable. I think because we know that there has to be some trust and safety. We just back off altogether. But I like the push here to say, no, approach it with value and dignity, but then still do it. Because the more that we do it, the more we all learn and can make better decisions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you, Jill? Well, similarly, I feel like I am having a lot of money conversations. And more and more so, I think as people learn that I'm on this podcast, they're like, they just it, it does almost like open the door for that. People tell me things now. Admittedly, Jen is the expert when it comes to like investing and retirement plans. I am very much still on a learning curve. So my money conversations recently have been around, like I am in my own learning process as people are like, oh, I'm going to do XYZ with my money. And I'm kind of like, I actually need to look into that because I've not heard of it, but I am, I'm finding myself in conversations where I am somewhat concerned for people and the advice that they're being given. <laughs> I don't want to get too into the weeds I'm because put all my money in crypto. some of these people might listen to the podcast. So like, I don't want to give t- more details than that. So that's like an overarching, just like, I don't know what our point is in like 
highlighting these money conversations, but I am talking with people, people are sharing, and I'm learning that there's so many options out there for retirement, for spending, for leveraging the equity in your home. And I think it is highlighting me, again, how important it is to have these conversations because I think without it, we don't know, is this a wise decision or yeah. not? I know we all have freedom, but there there is a line where some things just might not actually be a good idea for anybody, and yet this yeah. advice is mm-hmm. still being given. And then beyond that, my husband and I recently had a conversation just about our spending and saving, like holding the tension between we are cash flowing renovations right now, but I also have an acute awareness that we're in our 30s and time is of the essence for us as it relates to our retirement plans and goals. And so really getting into some of the nitty gritty of how do we want to hold the tension of both? How will we keep a pulse on, all right, renovations are done. Let's stop throwing a ton of money at that and go hard at investing in our future. So that that's a more specific recent conversation we've had. I love that you're having that conversation. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. I should probably loop you um, into that conversation too, since right, you are just the put expert. me in on the group text. <laughs> yeah. Just put me in on the group text. Um, I will say, uh, when it comes to like conversations with friends and learning, you don't have to be an expert to talk to your friends about money. Like sometimes it's more helpful for you than it is for even them because we don't know every question there is to ask. You don't know what you don't know. And so sometimes it takes having open conversations to figure out what you do need to Google. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say don't be afraid to be open about money just because you don't feel like an expert. Yeah. I think that's even it's even more important at that stage. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. Uh, So for me. I this is a conversation I actually have frequently with one of my best friends, uh, Jess, who is an amazing kindergarten teacher, and I want her to consider creating a passive income stream around her science curriculum for like K through two or K through three or whatever. That's a cool idea. And yeah, she doesn't believe that uh, it is original enough to do, but I say that all innovation is creative plagiarism. So I think that she should do it. And if she's listening, I just want to remind her because sometimes she does listen to the show. Yeah. I think it's a, and I I think know it's a cool idea. Yeah, right. Would she, would she do it are, on Etsy or are there other sites that are more focused on curriculum? But I've, I have seen. Some. So there are, there are, there's, there's Etsy, there's teachers pay teachers, but there, there's also, you can create your own website, like on a membership platform oh. where you distribute it. Like you can charge people like a monthly fee and they have weekly, like full lesson plans yeah. every week on your own platform. And so there's, there's so many options. You can get started with small on these smaller, you know, on the Etsy and the teachers pay teachers. And then once you build up, a foundation of curriculums, you can start your own site. So, yeah. you know, for all of our, all my teachers. Yeah. It's a very mm-hmm. limiting belief to think that her, and I'm not, that's no, no judgment. We all got a lot of limiting beliefs, but to think that her stuff isn't mm-hmm. original enough, it, it's her stuff. It is, it is original yeah. by nature. Yeah. Right. If it was too original, then I would question the science. So that's that's what I I will say this is a bit of a side tangent but I see this mentality a lot in the human services education fields where it is an employment setup that is pre, that 
it is in and of itself pretty limiting. So then it makes sense that our mentality when we are found in that system is pretty limiting that, you know, raises are few and far between. They're very specific. They're very like low level incremental. And and so it is sometimes hard to think outside of that when no one in your immediate network is doing or talking about that. So it makes sense. But then it's, yeah, I mean, it's so helpful to have these conversations about that to say there are other options. Even if you find yourself in a system and an environment that would say there's not, well, we're saying there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Maggie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we loved having you on. Yeah, thank you for having me. And where can people get more from you if they want to hear more about your story, your perspective? Um, most of where they can hear more is at our podcast, which I, I have a podcast with a good friend of mine, Mike, and it's called Friends on Fire. You can visit it at friendsonfire.org, or you can just listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. We put out a new episode every week on everything from frugal living to prenups. We actually haven't done a dedicated prenup episode, but it has been on my to-do list for a while. This might inspire me to finally get on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We talk about it a a decent amount, though, uh, when it's relevant. But the best place to find us is just wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're I'm not a big I'm I'm like loose on social media, but Instagram is probably the place that we are the most active for sure. Nice. Awesome. Is it friends on fire? Friends dot on fire. Cool. Okay. Well, we will link all of that in the show notes again. Maggie, thanks for hanging out with us today. We'll see you later. Yeah. Thanks, Jen and Jill. Have a great day. Thanks, Maggie. What a great time with Maggie. Mm -hmm. We like all the different perspectives on debt payoff. And certainly, I think she brought a very unique perspective to the table that Mm -hmm. at various points in her story, I think we can relate to. So we do hope, as we said before, that this was a help to you all in your own debt payoff journeys. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's just a, I mean, a normal person like you like us. There's nothing. She's not an economist or somebody who you would think to be uniquely apt to doing, you know, something special like this. Like we are all capable of doing these things. So I hope that you're inspired by by that. Yeah. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And we also want to thank you for your kind reviews on Apple Podcasts like this one comes from Classy D83. And it's titled Look Forward to Fridays happens to be five stars. And they say from budgeting to investing and smart shopping to thinking outside the box, these ladies cover it all. I really look forward to Fridays when I can hear a new episode. Thanks, Jen and Jill for being down to earth. Now, and relatable. You're welcome, Classy D83. Yes. Thank you, Classy D. Thanks for thinking that we're knowledgeable. Mm. I mean, definitely down on the earth. (laughs) And so relatable. (laughs) For sure, for sure. We also want to thank our friends who share these episodes on social media. So when you share the latest episode on Instagram, we are adding you to our monthly drawing. For every five tags and reviews we get each month, we are giving away $50 for you to spend in the Frugal Friends shop. That's frugalfriends.shop if you want to check it out on the internet. 
So keep leaving us those reviews wherever you listen to podcasts and send the screenshot of that review that you wrote to reviews at frugalfriendspodcast.com. And still don't forget to tag us on social. See you next week. Bye. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. Jen, what do you think will be your favorite part of that train ride? Telling everyone about Thomas's hidden agenda all day. (laughs) Because the show has an underlying hidden agenda that people need to know about. Same with Happy Feet. Like Mm -hmm. that show, I mean, that movie too. Like there are just, there's so much, everything for kids is so loaded. And like Thomas came out in... I don't know, the 50s, 60s, very long time ago. Mm-hmm. Everything has a ulterior motive. It's not just for children, but it's also for it's for brainwashing them. Yes. There's so much propaganda yeah. in it. And and like so you much. said, it's it's not new. Like that Thomas no. is such an old show. And mm-hmm. they're trying to tell you what what kind of fuel this thing should run off of. Yeah. You know what doesn't have propaganda? Coco melon. <laughs> okay, I've, I've never, I don't no, have a toddler. I don't know. <laughs> it's, there's no propaganda in Coco melon, and that's my least favorite show. Oh, it's my least well, favorite. see, that's the thing. You like the edgy, getting ideas out there, getting a little yeah riled up. It's what you like. It is what I like. And apparently, but, it's what so, your yeah, toddler wanna, likes too. I want to ruin the experience for everyone there. That's what I'm most excited about. You think you're going to talk to complete strangers about it? No, I'm not going to talk to complete strangers. I don't talk to strangers, Jill. I'll I'll talk about it loud enough that strangers overhear me. You'll talk about it loudly to Kai in a way that (laughs) Kai will never understand, but adults will. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Have fun. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, You can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.